I'm Ryan Johnson. I'm Tyler Schmidt. I'm Lou Janu. And this is Car Talk, a podcast about trading cards. We're here to teach you everything you need to know about flipping cards. Whether it's the next breakout rookie, a new Magic the Gathering release on the way, or Pokemon's 25th anniversary, we'll break it all down. So sit back and listen up. Those cards collecting dust in your closet could make you some real cash. Welcome to Card Talk. All right, everybody. Uh, how's everybody doing? We are here for the first ever Slab Stocks monthly trading card market report review. Uh, I believe we have like an official name for that. It's a little s- s- down here, a little bit called State of the Card Market Podcast. Uh, I am here. My name is Lou Janu. I'm one of the hosts of Card Talk. I'm also here with my great friend. We've been trying to do this for so many years now. I'm so glad it's finally happening. Happening. Aaron Nowak is here. Aaron, say hello. Thanks, Lou, man. This has been a long time coming, as we both know, and uh, it's just a pleasure to actually publish something like this through 1.37 p.m. and to, to do a podcast like this with you and with others from our, you know, both of our uh, podcasts will be fun in the future. And I'm just excited for this first, first episode and walk people through like what this is, why it might be useful and, uh, you know, what type of discussion points we can have off of it. Yeah, I, something, you know, that you and I talked about when we were finally trying to actually put this together now and I was talking to Aaron, uh, to, Aaron to uh Tyler and Ryan about it, too, is like, we don't get into the numbers as much on our show and you guys are obviously the best at that. So, and you specifically are like an alien with this stuff. So I'm very excited to walk through all this. There's some really interesting stuff in here. It came out the week before July 4th. So it might've gotten lost in the shuffle. Um, really interesting stuff. Obviously the card market's in like a very strange place right now. That's a safe way to put it, I think. And that's a factor of a lot of things that we'll get into here. And I think some other stuff as well. So um, any initial thoughts, Aaron, before we jump into it? I just thought that it's cool to see people like read this thing for for what it is and to kind of maybe take their thoughts back with them. For us, when we when we want to put this together and obviously release it with you all through uh, through the blog through one thirty seven everything, it was just supposed to be a, a way for people to come and like basically get everything that they might either miss day to day or see to day to day and combine it all into one report that people can read each month and uh, maybe have takeaways with or, or go make their own thoughts on this. this is in no way it's supposed to be, a, oh, you should go do this now. You should go buy this. You should go sell this. This is just supposed to be like from our take, like what we're seeing moving the hobby by the numbers and then our you know opinions on it and like our takeaways based off of that. Um, obviously, it's not the strategy for everyone, but I think it'll be an interesting starting point for people to learn about and to go and maybe make discussions with their own friends and collectors off of it. And literally just like Lou and I are doing today. Like that's why I love cards because we can connect with others and have these discussions on numbers that I love so much and other people do too. So it should be a, it should be a fun time. Yeah. I think um, before we started, Aaron was like, Hey, did you actually read this thing? And I did actually read it and I do have thoughts. So I'm sure <laughs> that as we get into it, we'll have uh, some good discussions for sure. So Definitely. yeah. So just some up, up front stuff here. I hope everyone checks it out. 137pm.com. We'll have the full link in the description, all that good stuff. Yeah, I just want to um, give a quick shout out to uh, if you do have not already, Daily Slab newsletter we send out once a morning, 7 a.m. Eastern time for the last three straight years. Uh, whenever we, we release this marker report, if you're subscribed to the newsletter, you will know right away. Like It'll be the first thing in the newsletter when the marker report releases. You can go read it right away and get all the info before maybe people that uh, straggle behind and read it. So that's a good way to do that if you haven't yet. Yeah, I think, again, as someone who is not very educated when it comes to numbers and they kind of confuse me, <laughs> Daily Slab has been great for me. I love checking you guys out on a daily basis, so I hope everyone subscribes to that. Thank you. Yeah, unique content pieces every single morning. It's uh, it's a lot of hard work, but I think a lot of people like it. So Awesome. All right, so June 2022, five takes on the card market. I'm going to pass it off to Aaron. Aaron's kind of probably 
mostly lead the way here and I'll be jumping in with thoughts and questions. Um, so if you want to give a breakdown of like kind of how we're setting it up from a monthly standpoint, then we'll get into the takes. For sure. So this was the first market report, obviously the first one we're releasing. It's actually coming at the perfect time, you know, halfway through the year releasing uh, on, you know, for the June market report, but coming out uh, in July. And, and we wanted to open it up with like, hey, there's been a lot that's happened in the car market in 2022. Everyone knows it. I mean, if you've been collecting for a long time, it's definitely different than it was two years ago, which is different than it was 10 years ago. And uh, we just want to give kind of like a year to date overview on some of the numbers. Not every market report will have these year to date numbers. And they will for some specific things, like maybe looking at the card ladder 50 index which is where all this data is coming from um is from card ladder pro uh shout not out the CL- yeah shout out card ladder uh the cl50 is obviously it's 50 cards that kind of comprises the most transacted slash maybe most impactful um sales that happen that you can kind of point to like an SP 500 obviously it's not the same exact thing it's a benchmark that we can look at uh but Generally, we will be looking at monthly numbers because it is a monthly market report. But for this one, yes, we will be looking at some year to date. Um, then on top of that, you know, the very there's five different takeaways in this market report that we go through. Some of it's related to specific cards. Some of it's related to specific sports. Some of it's related to specific market segments like a vintage or an ultra modern. But the first takeaway we have here to talk about is pretty much looking at the CL50 and kind of the card market and the overall landscape of the economy and of the world right now, which as we know, um, really no market is performing in the green, which is for obvious reasons. You know, stuff costs more right now. Gas costs more, food costs more, and that's less money to spend on these other things um, out there. So when we're looking at this first chart that comes up here, it's the CL50 uh, over the last two years. And this was just a brief overview for those that maybe you scroll down a little bit, Lou, um, you'll see see this chart here that that is going to show how the market in general for these 50 cards that just a shout out a couple of cards. If you're like, okay, well, what's in the CL 50, you know, like a 79 OPG Wayne Gretzky PSA eight rookie. It's not like the PSA 10 where there's only two, but it's a higher grade one that, you know, holds price pretty steadily. I'm like a LeBron 2003 top scrum base rookie PSA 10, which clearly has had a tough two years. Patrick Mahomes, you know, PSA 10 rookie and Hank Aaron PSA five rookie stuff like that. So looking at this chart here, we can obviously see, how the market has boomed for these type of cards and then dropped, but it's held pretty steady for the last year. I'm a little bit down more recently, just with all the different markets um, performing in the red. And then if you give it one more scroll down, we're looking at this uh, chart here that is comparing the, the CL50 or at least lining it up to other indexes out there like the S&P 500, like the Dow Jones, like Ethereum and Bitcoin. And uh, I want to make a preface that like, yeah, you can't apples to apples compare these things. The card market is very unique towards not transacted at the second that you like place a seller by and at the volume and at the volume that you're in these like trading windows. So like the S and P 500, you can go sell your stock whenever during trading hours and boom, there's your money. That's not the same thing with cards. So in general, something like the CL 50 will lag behind these other markets. Cause it's not as reactionary because people aren't necessarily going to run right to their safe, pull out their hanker and PSA five and sell it. And then boom, it's there logged in the data history. It's just, it just is not like a super efficient market. The card market has came a long way in the last three years from there being like no data sharing and like no volume tracking to where there's something now to look at, but it still is not to the level of these other markets. So when we look at the numbers here, yeah, it's down 14%. You can say, oh, Ethereum's on 73%, which has dropped a lot. Um, This was, is for year to date specifically on this chart, but uh, it's kind of hard to put a fully, you know, functional number on that. But it also does point to that people probably are more willing to hold, at least in my case, I know other collectors case too, 
hold on to those cards like a Hank Aaron rookie PSA five, because it's not as easy to replace it a year down the line when maybe the money is there. So like, you know, part of a Bitcoin or part of Ethereum or, or a stock in the S and P 500, you can go and buy that thing back relatively easily, depending on mm -hmm. what the price is at a year from now, a lot harder to go find that perfectly centered Hank Aaron PSA five that you once had, which is why I think that the CL 50 will drop at a smaller rate because those cards aren't getting transacted on as fast to lead to those market values dropping. Lou, where do you sit on that? I agree with you on that. Um, I think cards are always an interesting case of, you know, collecting, investing, as it's been discussed ad nauseum for the last five years or four years. Yeah. Um, cards are cards are special because they have a sentimental value to people. And I think that will always keep the transaction volume lower and it will always keep the emotional attachment to the item, which keeps the price at a certain level. Just naturally, it's just the way it is. It's the same thing with FOMO, with, you know, crypto and FOMO with anything else in stocks, whatever. Um, you know, as people get more attached to their assets, it's kind of something that it's what happened in a way with the GameStop thing. People got attached to their asset and they got attached to the story and that kept the price up. You can kind of make an argument for cards in that way as well. Um, and it's, you know, I think cards will always hold strong as an, as an alternative asset in general for that exact reason. And I do think it'll always lag behind in the same way that you say. Um, I also wanted to preface all this with, I'm not like a financial expert, so I'm going to say some things that sound kind of stupid, and I just want to put that out there for everybody. I want to put that out there too. Well, we are the ones that are producing a huge report, and like we have created thousands and thousands and thousands of content pieces on the changing sports car market in the last four years. Um, neither am I a financial expert either. So yeah, I kind of take this all and take your own opinions, you, opinions on it. Uh, go home, do some more homework if you do want to maybe act on some of the things in this report. But it's a starting spot for a lot of people who want to learn about the sports car market and how it moves. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think just from like a, you know, a macro standpoint of markets to date, you know, CL 50, the Dow Jones, S&P 500, Bitcoin, there's 500 million reasons why all these things act the way that they do. Yeah. Um, it's basically impossible to pinpoint anyone who told you they can pinpoint these types of things is lying to you. So that's one. Yeah. And that's what I agree. I 100% agree with that. Cool. Um, so let's scroll down a little bit. Also, I see you have some quotes in here. Did you speak yes. with? Did you speak yes. with Chris? Did you speak with Andy? For Talk sure. So I, I personally did not. I gotta give a shout out here because I don't know how to get credit yet. Most of this report, a lot of the bones is written by the legend uh, himself, Jeff, which would be my dad, Papa Slab, or Steve Kerr, whatever you want to call him. Um, he uh, he's been a, a content writer for darn near probably like three decades, and uh, has done magazines in the past. Worked for General Mills, worked for other companies, ran his own business in the content space. So he wrote a lot of the the bones of this report. Executed the interviews with Chris from Card Ladder, um, who who obviously creates a super high functioning platform that contributed data to a lot of this. So there is different quotes from Chris kind of taking um, a look at the car market and how it's performed and what his thoughts are on it too. And then Andy, the owner of a uh, Indy card exchange shop in Indianapolis, just ran the Midwest monster with a uh, J and J all-star sports cards. Uh, Andy is a phenomenal gentleman. He's amazing. He just loves the hobby. does so much for the, for the hobby and gives a lot of different uh, thoughts through here kind of the card shop perspective um seeing the traffic that walks through the door and the attendees at the show to where you you know we look at that chart we just showed either the cl50 chart or the one that compares the different markets those are just numbers on a screen i love numbers but i love cards and i love people who collect cards more than just numbers um i can see and feel at these shows i'm um, talking to different collectors what they think about the hobby and, and how they see engagement and the engagement's still high sure maybe the spend is lower right now for obvious reasons but the the fact that people are still here collecting, engaging, trading, all that different stuff, 
I think does show great long-term uh, prospect for the hobby and and the stage will be on five years down the line, especially with fanatics and what they're going to do to put the hobby in more people's hands also. I agree. And, you know, the volume is lower, but there's still plenty of things happening. We literally have an entire segment on our show every single week where people are making money. Um, so there's always room, always room on the margins. There's always things to do. But anyway, let's get into it. I, I don't want to take too much time up for people here. Um, Definitely. Jump into the 30 day performance. Yeah. So we're looking at a 30 day performance here for the CL 50 specifically. I want to call out a couple of specific cards that contributed to dropping it um, because some people I, I know might think about the CL 50 and say, okay, well, what is it? Like I said earlier, you know, Trout Rookie PSA 10 from 2011 update, a very, very replaceable card. I think there's nearly 5,000 or more PSA 10s of that drop 20%. Obvious reasons. People can go find one in the future. So they're going to sell it now to get the cash because that's a card that they can get rid of. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm no Pokemon expert. I know a decent amount about it, but the heart, uh, Char Charizard first edition hollow PSN nine also dropped 20%. Um, and then for Oscar Robertson specifically a 61 Fleer PSA six, this is a stock image. This is not the card that last sold for $2,880, but that type of card there with the off centering could contribute in itself to a 20% drop within a month. So the, the vintage, I want to call it out because it's in the, the article later. You can read about it but I'll speak very uh, shortly on this, is that the vintage sales either gains or drops at a very high margin, so like 20% or more, is generally contributed to a card and its eye appealance condition, mm -hmm. which I love. I love the fact that people are looking at the card and buying the card for what it is. You can see a SGC5 outsell a PSA6 or a PSA4 um, outsell maybe an SGC6, whatever, vice versa, because of the fact that people buy the card and how it looks, which is great, because I think that's how it should be for nearly all markets too. I agree. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the cool parts about vintage is like, I look at the numbers, right. And I see all the numbers on the trends and all of that stuff, but it's completely dependent on the individual cards that come yeah. out. And especially when you get into these like super vintage pre-war, all that yeah. stuff, they're so unbelievably condition sensitive that you could see a card sell for $30,000 and you can see a card sell for $250,000 in like two days of each other. It's wild. Yeah, for sure. And like it, it matters a lot. So that's a great mm -hmm. point. Yep. Cool. Yeah, give us a little scroll down here because now we're getting into more of the modern action, the high-end action. So obviously, maybe like less than you know, 0.1% of the people either listening to this or, or buying cards in general can even transact on a card of this type. But these are two cards here, Luca and Mahomes. I think for the last four years, Lou, you may or may not agree with me. These are probably the two athletes that people would sit there and say, if you're going to buy you know, the next guy, you're buying these two. You know, Don't even look elsewhere. You look at Luca, you look at Mahomes. And I have generally just not bought either because of the sole fact that everyone else was trying to buy them. And yeah, they might be the best of the generation for these, uh, you know, 2017s, 2018s type of deal. But if so everyone goes to buy something at a specific time, it can create an extremely overpriced value. So both these two cards you're looking at on the screen, this is a both National Treasures rookie patch. Always, the Luca's out of five. The Mahomes is out of ten. Banger uh, cards, by the way. What do you say? Bangers. Oh, absolutely. Like these the Mahomes are the cards is in, in a sick patch. Like these are the cards you want. Like these yeah. are the NTRPAs, like BGS nine, BGS nine point five. They're tough to grade, and they both sold for a million dollars last year at one point. Well, two of this, these two cards came up for auction, not necessarily the same copies, right? But different serial numbers came up for auction and sold for half of that uh, just this past month, and it was four or for around five hundred thousand dollars each. They're on a million dollars each. For me, looking at this. Yes, we can't buy these cards, just about all of us, but we can apply this to the lower end market, uh, maybe you know, less than a thousand dollars or over a thousand dollars if you transact in that area. Even if you're looking at the surefire prospect or the goat, like a Brady or a Jordan, 
if you just buy it at the wrong time, you buy it at the wrong time. There's no escaping it, which is why I think that everyone who comments on all these different Instagram posts, buy the goats, buy the goats, buy the goats. Like there's good theory behind that to, to buy something of a player that's going to be, you know, here 10 years from now and people will covet all that different stuff. But you just got to pay so close attention to what you're buying at what time making sure you're not buying at this insane peak, but you're maybe buying at a respectable level that you feel comfortable with. If you felt comfortable at a million dollars and more power to you, you have more money than, than I guess uh, is you know needed for a card like this. So that's fine. If you're going to hold it for the next 10 years, these two guys become the two best players of this generation. Cards are super hot at that point, maybe because of fanatics and maybe you're looking at $5 million pieces. Who knows? You know, so there's, there's two ways about it. Yeah. You know, it's all risk assessment, right? Like if, if you're someone who's spending a million dollars on a card and, I'm decently confident you don't have that much interest in transacting inside of like a 30 day, 30 to 90 day window or whatever. Like if you're Definitely. one of those people who's going to buy something, stick it in your safe, stick it in the safety deposit box, send it to, you know, whatever vault you choose to use and it sticks there for 10 years, then awesome. But if you're someone who's transacting on a week to week basis, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter who it is. It's all timing. Yeah, I agree. And then the last thing I'll say on this um, too is that the people that sold these assets or these cards um, most likely was making a ton of money on this. Like the Mahomes 9.5 right there, those things, I think only the only one copy that sold for over a million dollars is the one you would have lost money on if you relisted it right away. All the right. other ones were bought between like 10,000 10, and like 50 grand or something like that. So you're making like 400 grand. And you're probably happy regardless if it sold for that. Totally. And I think also like, you know, the general positioning on these two players has changed or the general narrative has changed on those two players and i think you mentioned it a little bit down here kind of the rubber met the road on on who these players were and their results kind of spoke for themselves right like luke is awesome he's probably a top five player in the nba but the mavericks have serious issues they just lost Jalen brunson there's something bad things are happening the (laughs) chiefs have been awesome but they just lost a whole bunch of receivers it's getting kind of weird for mahomes you know it's and the competition's so much bigger now too in the afc yeah like it's the realities of of their of their careers is finally starting to catch up to them you can't just say oh they got drafted in 2018 you know they're really awesome yeah that type of thing that i agree with you too and just to wrap up what the first takeaway was, I know I know we're kind of going a little long in the first takeaway, but I also think it might be the most important. Um, I just want to say, you know, people are obviously selling for different reasons. Um, if you need to sell, you need to sell. Pick out the things that you don't want, you know, in the next six months or year that you know to sell if you do have to sell. Uh, but that is why you know cards hold up better is because I think that there is rarity behind it that you just might not be able to find that card, and that's the cards that people are holding. And if people are willing to sell them, maybe those are cards you should be buying right now if you do think. You know, there's an opportunity there. Yep. If you have five hundred thousand dollars to spend on a on a Luka Doncic, I know. All right, takeaway number two. All right, two or say two hundred grand. No, takeaway number two. Uh, these are looking at two specific sports um, that have that have done well year to date. So if you look at the monthly, obviously at this chart, a lot of it's down. Hockey has got a little bit of a bump because of the Stanley Cup and the Kale McCarr, freaking mm-hmm. a phenomenal player, Rosen Price, Nathan McKinnon, and everything, but. This year to date, you know, racing and baseball, which is kind of fun because I think that like if Nate was here, he'd be like, oh, go baseball. And you and I are like, oh, go F1 as I'm wearing my Alfa Tori hat. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think what happens here and we've seen this, you know, Lou, for the last three to four years and you and I, I don't think fell into these categories, but it was just like buy basketball all the time. Mm-hmm. Biggest sport in the world. Most money going here, there, everywhere. And then it very quickly becomes overvalued. And then when people want to go find new cards to buy, they're not going to go buy their basketball cards they've had for the last four years. They're going to go look to those other sports they like, like a baseball, like a racing or F1. You know, F1 makes up most of the racing category. category. 
there's a little NASCAR in there. But uh, yeah, that that's what I'm seeing here. And then you know when you're looking at the biggest drop, basketball fifteen percent. Uh, the smallest drop would be like soccer three percent uh, year to date. And I think that there's a lot of you know excitement about the World Cup, but given that the market. Uh, it's the timing is pretty poor, I'd say, for people who are excited about the World Cup because the economy not performing well right now has definitely stifled the I need to go buy my soccer cards for the World Cup. Um, I still have like so many soccer cards, I got all my Mason Mounts and everything, and I'm very excited for the World Cup. But I definitely think it has stunted the growth of it to where people were maybe expecting that soccer to replicate like a baseball, like up 5% to this year, maybe an F1 up 20%, but uh, just, just not happening there. Yeah. Again, I think it's just, there's so many things happening in the world right now and you can apply it to cards, right? Like basketball and football experience, such an outrageous parabolic growth cycle for those two, for that two year run that it's just a natural piece of the puzzle is that these cards are going to go down, right? 15% is a lot for basketball. It's more than I thought, honestly, going in. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm pumped about baseball. I'll tell you that, (laughs) you know, I love baseball. So and I right. love seeing Chris Sands baseball is year in the spotlight. Love it. And I know Nate loves that too. And I just got to give a shout out really quick to uh, talk about these specific categories right here. So like basketball is made up of, of like over 11,000 cards of the card ladder database, which is a lot. Like that's definitely the biggest sport with the most cards. And then if you look at like F1, there's just like, you know, only been like one to two years now of F1 releases with only one being logged in the F1 um, category. So mm-hmm. it doesn't take a whole lot. To move that thing up 20%. It would take a whole heck of a lot to move that basketball segment up 20%. Um, So there is different weights to these things to where it's not apples to apples. It's not like that's only taking the 50 best card from each category. Like the CL50, this does incorporate like basically every single verified and tracked card in that specific sport. So my whole thing behind that is you look at the numbers, but remember you need to interpret it more than just saying, Oh, 15% versus 20%, that type of thing. Like, yes, we have it ranked here in a you know ascending or descending order, but there's a you gotta read but you know between the lines a little bit. Absolutely. Um, you want to move move down a little bit? Oh, yeah, let's let's keep going along here. I want to give a quick shout out to what Andy said. Um, there's a quoting here from Andy Albert from IndyCar Exchange. Uh, he said baseball is up because of how strong the rookie rookie class is. He says people are looking into baseball because they can afford products and get good rookie cards. Bobby Wood Jr. and Julio Rodriguez, those guys are studs with huge. And Jerry Pena. And, and your Pena guy from the Astros. Yeah. Uh, but I want to give a quick shout out to this because I do think that the rookie classes matter so much. Um, if you look back to 2018 and 2017 and 2019 basketball, that's when basketball was so, so, so hot because you've got all these guys that are like could be generational talents. Um, same thing goes with baseball right now with Bobby o Jr., Julio Rodriguez. You know, I know Torkelson was called up among a slew of other guys. Penny, your, your dude from the Astros, that brings excitement to the market. That makes people go buy into that stuff. Back in 2017, when Aaron Judge and Cody Bellinger were two of the top MVP candidates as rookies, baseball was so hot. And then, yes, it did quiet down a little bit. There was a couple bad rookie, cl- oh, I'd say bad releases in there based on rookie classes, but. Definitely this year. And Wander Franco, how could I not name Wander Franco's rookie from Series 1? That's definitely brought interest to the markets. The rookies matter so much. The actual players themselves. Yeah, I definitely feel like baseball is getting very exciting from a fan perspective, which I think you know trickles down to the card market. There's been, it feels like, I know there's been some bad releases, but it feels like we're on like a four-year run of really good young players coming into the league every single year. 
Oh, I, I will agree with you that definitely there is there's a been a good run. You know, 2018 was Soto Kuni Otani, and then Torres, if you want to name him too, I guess, uh, was really good. Walker Bueller was that year, and then 2019 with Tatis and all those other guys, and 2020 Bashad and Jordan, your dude is just killing it right now. It's crazy. 2021, like I, 2021 might have been the down year. That's the thing. 2021 was super bad. Like names that could have been really good: Joe Adele, Joey Bart. Um, just didn't pan out. Guy. Yeah, Joe Adele. Oh my god. I know you were big in Joe Adele, but Joe they've just all pretty much like been disappointed. Dylan Carlson's been kind of like the best, but also still disappointed this year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Last I talked to Nate. Yeah, uh, like just fine. Yeah, so so like that that really I think kind of maybe hurt some of the market last year for baseball, but given like this year, like it's it's crazy. Awesome. Racing, our favorite thing. Let's talk about it. <laughs> yes, sir. So F1, um, Formula One had some massive sales in June. And I will, I'm going to preface this with saying, yes, there were cards in Formula One that, that did decrease in value in June. You know, we saw something like a Hamilton uh, Sapphire Aqua of 99 PSA 10. It went from like 13K at the end of last year up to like 29K. This is the whole thing about like overpaying for goats. Like by no means should this PSA 10 Aqua ever went from 13 to 29k in the span of like a few months but it did and then it quickly dropped back down to 19 and then the most recent sales like 13 and a half so from the peak less than 50 percent. but that's like an anomaly and there's a couple others that have dropped too uh, but there are some that have had all-time high sales i want to shout out four different cards that set all-time highs um for a specific driver or, or i guess logo you'd say so verstappen uh mick schumacher guan yu joe thank god he's okay that was super scary last weekend and then uh, the logos. So all four of those had an all-time high sale with this Verstappen Red Refractor Auto. That was the most expensive card of Max that ever sold publicly. And it was the most expensive Topps Chrome Auto from Formula One to ever sell. Um, and then Mick Schumacher is PSA 10 Super Fractor Rookie. So for 40K, most expensive card of him. Crazy. Guan Yu Joe at $18,000 for his PSA 8, which I I know I think that the person who bought this is on Instagram. But to me, of all these cards here, this one makes even though the Mick one's pretty crazy at 40k. 18k for this card is a little concerning given that there is a 2020 future stars of Guanyin Joe. It's not like that this is his rookie card with Alfa Romeo, which will be coming out for the 2022 release. Like you know how Mick has got Haas for 2021. This yep. is another F2 future stars card. So it's kind of like in Bowman, you got the first Bowman, it'd be like their Bowman draft release after the Bowman release or something like that. You know, yeah, I'm like, a little confused by it as well, to be honest with you. Yeah, so this one just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. But then the Mercedes logo, I think that this was like a, a deal for anyone that's got five figures to spend. Uh, that I, is a brand power play right there. Sneaky, man. Like, I would spend $13,000 on this versus the second Guan Yu Joe Super Fractor like every single day of the week. This is they did not make logos for a 2021 set. So this is like the best logo you can ever get of Mercedes. 13K for a PSA 7 Super Fractor one of one. It's a great take. Yeah. What are you what are you thinking about rate about F1 in general right now? It feels like the general vibe is a little bit slower and people are kind of not waning interest, but it's not as much of an like an event every weekend, it feels like. I mean, I love it every weekend. So for me, it feels like that, but I think that the problem that we're seeing. Is that and it was a little bit different this past weekend, right? Carlos Sainz shot first win. That was awesome to see, and it was a great last ten and laps. Double Haas points. Yeah, double Haas points. That was the first time in like two or three years or something. Like first that. time ever they've gotten double points. I think. First, no, they had to have double points in the past. Maybe first time ever with Mick Schumacher. That's true. I know. Maybe sure. that's maybe that's what it was. Mick's first points. Yes, uh, but what I will say is that uh, I think that really hurt once Leclerc kind of fell out of the title race. I think everyone was excited to come and see a battle of two to three teams every single weekend, and for about a seven-week stretch, it was just Red Bull. It was just Red Bull, Red Bull all the time, Max winning or Perez winning. And now, yes, you know, signs won, and Max had car- problems with the car, but Max probably would have won again, you know, if he didn't have the problems with the car. So 
all that to be said is that I think that having more competition helps a lot. And if the rest of the season, if Mercedes can challenge, um, it will be really exciting. And I do think it'll get back to that. Remember, after the summer break uh, that happens during uh, August, I think it's going to heat up a lot. Like it's going to be like, you know, really every single week, like looking like, okay, what's the point count- countdown to seeing who can pass who in the standings and stuff. Uh, that's coming from a perspective of someone who's a huge F1 fan, has a ton of F1 cards. I know this is not for everyone. You know, if, it, if you don't like it, that's okay. You don't have to buy the cards. I love it. I buy and sell the cards all the time. We just got a bunch to get graded and stuff. So that's the perspective I'm coming from, at least. I agree with you. I think it's kind of been a little bit of a runaway. And it, it's like, it's even worse than it looks. Because like you're saying, if Max doesn't have trouble with his car in like three races or something, I think he wins like almost every race this year. Yeah. They're much. just by far the best. He just has by far the best car. And I think that's one of the realities of F1 is like if the cars aren't good enough for the top teams, if McLaren doesn't have a good enough car, if Mercedes' car isn't good enough, and if Ferrari keeps making strategy mistakes, it's just going to be a runaway. And I know that this year was supposed to be like, oh, new regulations are supposed to tighten the competition. I think in the midfield it is. Any given midfield, week, it absolutely see, is. Yeah, you can see any team jump another team and get up to like the fourth or fifth best team, and you can see any team be the worst team. Like Alvatore was terrible this past weekend. It hurt me, you know? But I will say, I think that next year is going to be crazy because I think you're seeing like, some of these teams getting these development things down during the middle of the season, knowing mm-hmm. that they're not going to compete this year. And then next year, I, my fingers crossed is that we see like four teams fighting for like race wins every weekend. That will be that good. Will, it'll be peak F1 at that point. Yeah. And I also, this is a little bit further down the road, but if they get serious about expansion and they bring in somebody who has real money, I think someone can come in and compete really fast. Yeah. So I, I agree with that. I know Andretti was trying to come in and compete. We'll see what happens with that. Yep. Baseball. This is your thing, man. We had five huge Bowman Chrome uh, auto sales this past month. Three over 200, or sorry, two over 100. Keep it messing up. Two of them sold for over 200K, three of them over 100K. But basically, we, you know, looking at this list here, you've got Tanya 240K for a red, Soto 144K for a red, which Lou, I don't know if you saw our Instagram reels. This is Soto's best Bowman Chrome card. The Super Fractor's destroyed. It was altered, autograph wiped. You are the person who initially told me about this. I never knew that this was like a real issue that they just lose. Like some cards are just gone for major players. Their cards are just not there because they got destroyed in the mail or whatever else. No, this was legit gone. Like PSA got rid of this thing, like took this thing out of circulation. The super because it got altered. It, it was autograph wiped as a BGS 99. The autograph got wiped on the side of the card. Oh, right. I forgot off. about this. Yeah, and then also I think that it had like an H5 corners and it got a PSA 10. I'm pretty sure it's trimmed too. So Crazy. PSA bought it back, took it out of existence. And now this red refractor auto is Soto's best Bowman Chrome card in existence. And this one, the interesting thing here is that that thing dropped from 280K last October to 144K. Um, some economy things, some uh, you know, some performance things with Soto, uh, which I, we love Soto. We have got a couple of Soto cards because we think he's going to have a big second half of the year. Um, but you know, stuff happens. And now the ones I think that you might have the biggest take on and Nate would be having a field day here is Marcelo Meyer and Christian Hernandez, both selling for over 50 grand for a red refractor auto PSA 10, uh, two guys who are prospects, both teenagers, I believe. Um, and that is a ton of money. <laughs> That's a lot of money. I can, I can, you know, I know how it goes. We know how it goes with these high end prospects. These cards sell for a lot of money. So I can kind of get there on Meyer. I'm very much not there with Hernandez. Like that's that's a lot of money for Christian Hernandez. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's an international signee and has had about like a season or so under his belt and is like 60. Good player. Dollars. Looks really interesting. Yeah, but like to the point to where you're spending like nearly 60 grand and also more than Marcelo Meyer, 
who was like the what is the number two overall draft pick or number something one like or something? That. Yeah, yeah, something big. Like it just is a little, who knows? But is what it is. I mean, people spend big money on Bowman Chrome, and that's just what this is showing, right? It's just people spend a lot of money on Chrome. People spend a ton of money on Chrome. Baseball, for all it is and all it isn't, is the most consistent market year in and year out in cards. You know and what you're getting each year. You absolutely know what you're getting every you know single exactly year. Exactly what you're getting. And my, I, I honestly believe the Mike, like a Mike Trout Bowman Chrome autograph, is like the best card that you can own. I, I love the card. It's hard to like. Is it a top five card you can own? Type of card, you know? Yeah, I agree with you. And then. Otani, who is just unbelievable, just continues to amaze me. He's a superhuman. Continues to amaze me. Definitely. Definitely. We can, uh, if you do want to read the takeaways on this, feel free to hop into the article, but we just gave obviously a brief overview. And then uh, we'll just jump into the next segment here because we already talked about it a bit, so we don't have to spend too much time on it. But this is just looking at vintage versus modern versus ultra modern. I think that's pretty obvious to say that ultra modern and and modern have gotten hurt the most here in. uh, um, 2022, just because the cards are very replaceable and there's a lot of them. Uh, you go and you look at vintage and, and uh, pre-war, which is before 1948, I want to say. You no, know, sorry, before 1945. 45. Um, this is based on card ladders uh, standards for indexes. You know, those have held up very well or have done even in the green this year. And I think that this is all because people kind of get that in their back of the head. That's like, Hey, vintage is like gold. You know, you look over the next five years and it's just kind of like up and to the right steadily versus like ultra modern. It's like, yeah, Patrick Mahomes has a huge season wins MVP Super Bowl. You see, boom, big spike up, but he has a season where he's hurt and doesn't do that. Well, you're dropping 30%. So like, that's the idea here. And I do think that that can create for maybe a little bit of an overinflated market for vintage. I'm no vintage expert. I don't, I don't claim to be. I've never, I have a very few amount of vintage cards. But I just know when anything goes up in price kind of faster than it ever has before, there could be a couple drops. So if you are looking to buy a vintage card, I would say maybe now is not the most excellent time to do so. But it depends on the card you're looking at, obviously. And I can't really determine that. Um, that's just some feeling I get. Yeah, I think, you know, vintage is always viewed as one of the safest ways to park your money in cards, right? So I think in a world where this modern stuff is down 19% year to date, 5% on a month uh, monthly basis, people are going to go back to what they know. They're going to go to Michael Jordan. They're going to go to Oscar Robertson. They're going to go to Ted Williams, whatever. And that's where they're going to spend their money. So it's not that surprising to me, but you're right. It does go up very fast. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'll skip over quite a bit of that. Just as a lot of information there. And then just some cool cards in here, though. Yeah, I I want to point out that we did include a couple of cards that were trending up in price, you know, but I want to also make clear these are the cards that a lot of it's due to the eye appeal of the card. You know, like the Paul Coffey, like 81 PSA 8. One might be super center, one might be really off center. That could include a 20% swing in price. Absolutely. And then this is this is a very interesting uh, takeaway here is looking at the price levels because you know if you when you think about the low end, the mid end, and the high end market, high end being five thousand dollars and over, low end being five hundred dollars and under, mid end being everything between that. Um, it's it's very plausible for people who have more money to hold on to their cars longer. Like that's just not a take that's really that out there, which would lead to less price drops on these rarer cards versus people who maybe need to sell their. PSA 9 of Julio Rodriguez 2019 Bowman Chrome. No matter how good Julio Rodriguez is, because the guy's a stud, back-to-back rookie of the uh, month winner and player of the week winner now for the AL, you know, some people just need to sell that card for whatever reason to pay for their gas, whatever it is. Um, uh, you know, we don't need to determine that or, or look at why people sell because people have to sell for their reasons. But uh, that just can hurt a market like the low end faster 
Um, there's less rarity involved. And then that also means that the market, re uh, it reacts faster. When there's more transactions, like we talked about earlier, you can get a 20% drop or with a 20% drop faster in the low end market than you can in the high end market for sure. Makes a lot of sense. I think this is very self-explanatory. It kind of fits with, if you're involved in cards at all, you can kind of feel this exact thing. So it makes a lot of sense to me. Definitely. And you know the amount of people that even in today's market are actively trying to trade up or build up to that rarer piece. Use the smaller cards to be a vehicle to get to bigger cards. I mean, I've been doing it my whole life. And now finally... The blueprint, it, literally. It, it is. And that's also why you see some of that stuff. Because people are willing, if they did have cards that they, maybe they thought, oh man, I could take these five cards, turn it into this bigger card. Even if it drops 20%. If the other cards are also kind of dropping, they might say, all right, I'll still sell the five cards, take a 20% loss, but I see this thing I can get out there. That's a better investment. People are willing to cut their low-end stuff faster to get a better investment that can grow because of rarity. If you give a little scroll down here, um, this is just pointing out that because of the big, big drops in like the base PSA 10 markets in the last year and a half with the population rising. What do you say? Just crazy to look at this like, you know, as like a snapshot compared to 18 months ago is and it all has to do with the supply and population also where the demand is um that's literally the only things that has to do with but i just want to point out that this um type of deal when all these cards are kind of encapsulated in the low-end market it makes that number so much of a bigger drop because these psa 10s are dropping so fast but i look at this and i don't want people to say oh man just because i have you know collection that only has a hundred dollar card in or a 25 dollar card in it that does not mean that your cards are also dropping by 20 percent that just means that majority of the cards being tracked in this index are dropping fast because they are these base PSA 10s that are growing in numbers supply super fast or have grown in supply super fast. But there are a ton of really good 25, 50, even 10, $100 cards out there. Even, you know, we've got a ton ourselves that we, they were going to go to the national with and be really excited to sell and, and buy cards like that. So I don't want this to be like, uh, hey, if you're not a high end collector, well, you're kind of screwed. That's not the point. It's just That's definitely not the point. <laughs> not the point. I at actually all. think it's kind of the opposite in a weird way. Explain. Go a little bit further. I, I think there's so much opportunity. Like, I just see it every week on, on Play of the Week. Like, there's so much opportunity out there for people. We had someone this week go from $2 to $75 in, like, 24 hours. And it's like, you take that 75 and then you go make that 75 250 make that 250 to 500 Like, it's all out there. It happens every single week. I think it's really there. The thing with the high-end stuff is I think a lot of people got into things at high numbers. And when you commit that much – when you commit that much – money to a card you kind of got to sit there and wait and yeah. see what happens with it and if you sell at a loss of course that's where you see those numbers go down etc but there's a lot more room to move when you're doing the low end and i think that's way more fun it always has been more fun to me i agree with you and you know we're having so much fun right now with buying you know numbered 25 50 cards game and graded and either selling those and getting a bigger card or just go, keep on moving the wheel like that's the, what the name of the game Grading's is back huh it is. I mean, for us, I mean, specifically, like, we're grading a lot with SGC. They're coming back so fast. And people, I I see more now today than ever. I think people are willing to buy, you know, no matter what the label is, who you want to grade with. It's all about what's inside of the freaking case. Before it was like, hey, is this a PSA 10 uh, base Acunio? If it's a 9.5, I don't want it. Um, Who cares? It's like, I want that that Botas card that's numbered out of 10 because of what it is, you know, type of deal. Yeah, people are getting smarter. And I think, you know, OGs in the card market have always preached this and it's finally coming through to the masses, myself included. It, mm -hmm. It's, you know, the the value of understanding that what you're buying is better than just making a play based on a, a grading company. You I, know agree. What I mean, I agree. All right. If you give this a quick scroll down to the slab socks bomb line, this is the a super bottom line. 
the super interesting fact this has to do with the base psa 10s and it says where is the floor i'm just going to read this for you lou and you tell me if you remember this time the base psa 10 market still has room to drop while the luka Doncic prism 2018 base rookie psa 10 is 333 dollars which could look like a deal from the peak price of $2,000. That same card used to be $40. When they were $40, there were definitely not 20,000 PSA 10s flooding the market like that there are now. The market is extremely smart compared to two years ago, and the trend will continue on the low supply, sought-after brand sought after brand cards taking all of that market money. Isn't it crazy to think about that one day these cards were $40, and at that time, it was like a pop 800 or like 1,000, and they're, now they're $333 and a pop 20,000. That market cap is still like 10 times the size. It's unbelievable, and I definitely agree that there's room, you know, on the downside for those cards. It's it's extremely difficult to have to sustain pricing when you're talking about twenty, thirty, forty thousand cards. Definitely, it's and there's so many. How options. long do we have a fit pop fifty thousand base card? Um, I don't know if we will actually uh, hit that. For you don't think so? One. Back when we get to this 20,000 Luca PSA 10, a lot of these were because PSA was grading so cheap. People were saying that PSA and the print run and the and the quality control were like there to get it up to over 20,000. Same with the Acuna and the Soto Tops base updates. Now, if you look at today, it's like, well, one, the quality control stinks on so many releases that to hit PSA 10s on like that many is going to be a lot. And two, the cost of grading is so high, it just doesn't make sense. So like, I think be, I think that the print runs are so high I think it just is difficult to hit fifty thousand base PSA tens. Like I mean, it's a fair maybe... point because the production is questionable as well. It, yeah, that's a good point. Yep. Um, like, don't get me wrong; it's possible based on the production. It's just like the the monetary values might not make sense anymore for that to happen. Yeah. How many total are there? Do you know how many total Lucas are there? That's a great question, but there has to be a couple hundred thousand just to like in the pop. Just in the production. I'm talking about in the pop. Oh, you're, I see what you're saying. Like, no matter the grade? Yeah, I'm looking right now. Remember when the 2018 Prison Basketball PSA page like would never load ever? It wouldn't load. They literally, the database was so slow, it would not do anything. And now you can actually just type in, and within like 10 seconds here of me starting this search, I got it. So there's 34,250. That's total. so many cards, man. That's so many cards. All right, so anyway, I don't want to get stuck on it. For sure. Takeaway number right. four? Yeah, takeaway number four is just about big winners and potentially big losers too based on performance because i think this is very this is what drives the dynamic market it's performance it's what's happening on the tv on the twitter that you're reading you're looking at the highlights just like last night chet holmgren goes and drops 23 points and six blocks and four of six uh, shooting from three in his g league debut and people are running out and spending like three four hundred bucks on his non-licensed autos right now which cool cards and all but like remember where the long-term value is here but people are willing to go and just completely you know, buy anything that is associated with his name now. Um, and I love Bowman University too. I'm not, that's not a dig at all. I like the new sets. They're really fun. They're very collectible. Um, but, you know, a year down the line when there's a uh, Thunder jersey cards, people are going to buy those instead. And the theory here is that, you know, to actually like say, wow, I flipped a slab in the last three months, you would have needed something like this. Flipping slabs is very difficult to do in the last three months, as all the indexes point to. But Andrew Wiggins, you know, guy goes and wins. Um, his first title. He's a starting all star this past year for um, odd reasons. You know, a lot of that is fan vote. But uh, you know, he did do a really, really good job in the finals, and they got that W. And you know, his Prism Silver PSA ten rose fifty five percent in a month. Someone went and popped a twenty fifteen flawless logo man game use for twelve thousand dollars with an autograph on there. You know, 
we were talking about this on the show yesterday in relation to uh DeJounte Murray. How do you feel about that 12k sale? From like a how, like how do you like what's your emotional reaction to it? Oh, my reaction that's a lot better $12,000 spent than some of these other cards that sell for 12 grand. Interesting. You are you are you out on it? Or you're like, "Nah, it's stupid." I'm not out on it, but it's it's more like um I don't know, man. Like Andrew Wiggins is never going to be the best player on a championship team. I don't think. Yes. You're you're right, but for me, it just all goes back to unique and rare stuff. Now, I'm not saying I'd spend 12 grand on Andrew Wiggins card, but whoever was willing to spend 12k on Andrew Wiggins card, I think this was like kind of like a oh yeah, you bought the right card type of deal. But I don't That's know. That's for I, sure. It's a great card. Yeah. It's 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 unbelievably looking. It's so sick and everything. Uh, just a couple other names to shout out. We don't need to dig into the performance too much, but Paul Goldschmidt was super hot um, in, in May and June, and uh, he had a huge sale for his Red Refractor Auto at 5K, which is crazy because we just looked at Christian Hernandez selling for 55K, and this is Paul Goldschmidt selling for five. How crazy is that? Look? That is a very good point for people who may not understand baseball that much. Paul Goldschmidt's like <laughs> a top 15 MLB player, something like that, top 20 MLB player. Like He's a real asset in the world has been a very good player for a very long time christian hernandez was signed like 25 minutes ago and his card is selling <laughs> for six x it's our seven eight x i don't even know it's crazy as a brewers fan who really only watches brewer games for the mlb until the postseason paul goldschmidt's like the best player in the world because he literally just hits like 350 and a bomb every, every single year he hits 300 and he hits like 30 home runs every single year yeah it's crazy it's crazy so like it's a fun thing about this market report is you read and you can kind of connect the dots between the different things like we didn't explicitly state it in this little write-up here but if you pay attention you'd be like oh my gosh how's that possible 10 percent of a prospect who was just signed crazy and then shout out kill uh just unbelievable player for the colorado avalanche def- one of Great the best card, defenders yeah. uh, in the nhl right now if not the best he is the best in my opinion won the norris this year which is the best defender and the guy's just 23 years old having won the rookie of the year, which is the call there the, uh, he's, I'm sure someday he might be a heart trophy winner, the MVP and then he won the con Smythe, which is the MVP of the Stanley cup finals, the playoffs. Is that crazy in the NHL? There's all these names for all the trophies and you want to just say MVP. It's very confusing to me. Whenever anyone talks about hockey awards, I'm always like, sure. Sounds great. Like I, I <laughs> someone was talking about the Rangers goalie was like going to win the best goalie award or yeah, something. He did. He did. he did win, but they were yeah. saying the name of the award, and I'm like, I don't know what that means. Yeah, my brother just said it to me the other day, and it's a very uh, interesting award name. I can't remember it off the top of my head. Yeah, anyway, that's funny. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so his, his cards were very hot, and the, this is actually one of the biggest sales of all time of him. I think is like the Cup RPA PSA 9, uh, sold for nearly 14 grand, which is, you know, NTRPA of hockey. Uh, very tough to grade cards, too. Great, great hockey makes great. There's very nice hockey cards floating around in the world. Upper deck. I kid you not. Now I've been buying hockey and stuff, and I love hockey. I played it nearly all my life. Um, I'm not. I mean, I don't play that much, that much anymore. But the Vezina Trophy, by the way, is the the goalie trophy. Yes, which is Jay, super. Jay sent that over. Shout out Jay. Uh, super. Oh, he just typed in. I googled it too. But yeah, yeah. Shout, shout out Jay. Um, upper deck, dude. The cards are phenomenal. I bought one last night. I can't wait to show you. I'm so excited about it. Uh, is it your guy? Yeah, it's my guy, Keandre Miller. Of course, can't wait. But uh, and I guess your guy too with being a Rangers fan. So that's a fact. Lifelong Ranger fan. <laughs> Marty Brodeur fans. Is it Vesna? I think I'm saying because of like Vecna from Stranger Things. I don't know if you watch Stranger it Things. Could be Vesna. It could be Vesna. It could be skipping the eye. Yeah, I don't know. All right, let's go to the losers. Uh, losers. So we didn't have it much right up here. This was kind of just like a, hey, guess what? These dudes lost this month. Uh, Juan Soto, for reasons we spoke about earlier. Debo Samuel. This is one, a base PSA 10, which hurts. And then number two, his uncertainty of the future. 
Um, who really knows what's going to happen with him with the 49ers. And then Jason Tatum. Uh, his stuff got so unbelievable, unbelievably hot so fast. Well, his card is down 45% just in the span of one month. Uh, that should teach you a lot about, hey, maybe you shouldn't buy the player when he's like going off in the conference finals type of thing. Uh, this card, you know, probably compared to the beginning of the year or the beginning of the season, it is it increased some amount. Um, that's just an assumption, but yeah, it's just not. It would not be the right time to to buy Jason Tatum at the beginning of June. Yeah, I think you know Tatum's a very interesting offseason buy, in my opinion, because he's so young. These guys who go to the finals when they're this young, and they're in position to continue to grow and succeed and probably play in more finals in the future are really, really interesting prospects to me as buys when they're in their finals run is tough. I agree. But to me, what happens is that what you watch on the TV could show you like kind of a glimpse, a glimpse in the next like 10 years. So you mm-hmm. might sit there, you might say, man, Jason Tam, I really believe in this kid. Definitely don't buy him when he's playing the bucks and dropping like 45 points on them or something like that. But this off season, now that he's dropped 50% from that peak price, then that's when you buy in And when you believe in, I'll be doing the same with Cal McCarr this summer, no doubt. <laughs> The slab stocks bottom line. Yes, the slab stocks bottom line. So uh basically if you know what we just talked about, man, like if they're dominating, they're probably gonna be dropping, regardless if they win or lose. And the same happened with Steph Curry, too. Actually, some of his cards are higher supply, definitely dropped in price after he won the finals. It doesn't really matter. Um, and then if you do see a guy that you love, you know, like back in 2019 when I saw Giannis go up two on the Raptors and then very quickly lost, excuse me, four games and got eliminated. <laughs> You might be sitting there and saying, oh, man, Giannis can't do it, can't win the finals, this and that. But in reality, that's your best possible time to buy is when you see a player that's going to be one of the all-time greats and they lose and they get eliminated. How many all-time greats lost before they won? Jordan, MJ, sorry, Jordan, LeBron, Kobe. Pretty much all of them is the answer to the question. Exactly. Like, that's the point. So, like, you just kind of got to, you know, make some some ideas up um, as you go. Yeah, and just kind of just made me think about something in general. I was talking to my friends about the NBA last night, and just like the way the NBA is covered is so annoying, and I think it trickles into how people think about cards as well. Like people talk about Jason Tatum, like his career is over, and this kid's twenty three years old. Like it's they have so, same thing with Giannis. Giannis was came in the league as like you know Greek freak. He's like this amazing unicorn, blah blah blah. He didn't win the title in the first three years of his career. People lost their minds, and he had to go through some growth to get to where he is now. Jason Tatum's going through that exact same learning process so it's just patience like there's so much patience needed with these guys because they all come out so young 17 18 19 years old when they come into the league they're in the league six seven years before they turn 25 it's unreal and then they have 15 years ahead of them of the career so it's just patience with these guys that's really people, like, i already know that people are looking at herbert like that because you of know, course mahomes, they are because mahomes won so fast it's like well herbert's got win so fast what's well, like yeah. no maybe mahomes was just an anomaly right and like, think about mahomes people were like oh my god mahomes is the best blah, blah blah he loses one super bowl to brady it's like oh whatever his career is, is what it is i'll never yeah. pass brady why are you buying the cards it's like i don't know maybe because he could be like one of the best quarterbacks of all time <laughs> yeah, exactly so there's a lot of short-term reaction as we know in the card market yeah all right on the last takeaway, it's a, this is going to be in every single um, report we do. It's you know what's coming up and what's to watch in the following months, and we'll we'll go through these pretty quickly. But obviously, we're all going to be in tune to what Fanatics is doing. Uh, maybe some more announcements will be coming out in the near future. Who knows? Uh, but we, from at least a, a perspective of distribution and also branding, because I think a lot of people are like, "Oh man, when is that Topps Chrome basketball product finally going to hit?" I think we'll know more um, as time goes on. But that's just goes without saying. And then another thing here I want to point out is that. Um, as more product gets printed, 
the quality control has been not so good recently. Um, we don't have to pick apart every single example here, but just know that, you know, if you are opening product, um, just know the risks that if you do open product, regardless of what it is, most of the time you can hit cards that just are not in the best condition. The best way to buy a card in gem mint condition is to what, Lou? Uh, buy a gem mint card. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that, that's basically <laughs> the point here is that like this, we know that like there's challenges to manufacturing. We know that there's challenges to releasing cards, all this stuff. But just like, I think that a lot of times where the perspective gets changed is where like the expectation is that every single card's gonna be gem mint. Now that also is not to say that companies shouldn't be doing more and going above and beyond to ensure that especially their bigger releases have good quality control. Just, you know, it's just an understanding as collectors I think we should have um, is that we got to be in tune to knowing that um, certain things are not always going to grade. Yeah, well. and let me let me pause you for one second there. I think, you know, again, sorry to go back to Card Talk. We talked about this, Ryan, a little bit today, uh, yesterday hey, on the show that came out today. Um, there's not a lot of production facilities making all these cards right now. You know, yeah. it's very limited, and they're pumping out millions of cards. Every single month, they're pumping out these cards. So there's going to be issues. And I think you guys posted a video one time of how cards get put into boxes. Yep. And I think if people really understood how the sausage was made with this stuff, they'd be happy with the gem rate as opposed to unhappy with the gem rate. It, gem rate. You know what, man? I sit there and I think some days, how is it even possible my card's in good condition? The it's unbelievable. And then also imagine on-card autos. I've seen Zach Wilson throw contenders autos across the Flipping desk. Flipping them across the table. <laughs> it's unreal yeah. how these cards survive it's actually it speaks to how strong the stock is that they survive this stuff i agree with you i agree with you but uh, you're but right they definitely need to pick up the the production quality and i think that's something that's gonna as a result of you know where we've been in the world for the last two years it's gonna take a rolling process to get back to a place where they're at production levels and at production quantities that they want you know i, quality I, agree. They want. But, but I will say like I don't want to sit here and say, oh, you know, it's okay because of this, because of that. They they are charging a ton of money for these products. Obscene amounts of money. Now. Obscene amounts. So they need to figure it out. Like I don't want to like be, be softy here. It's got to get figured out. It's charging so much for a product that's not just not in my opinion. It's a fair point. But also, I do. I agree with Lou. You know, there has been a lot of issues, but maybe it's time to just roll it back a little bit. Wrong one, uh, of one autograph. What is that? What do you say? What was the wrong one of one autograph? Dude, just click the link quick. Okay, is it, is it going to open for me? Oh, you're not going to be able to see it. I here. thought it would. Oh, my bad. All right. Well, basically, what it is is the Jail J- put it over top so people could see. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Jail put it over top. So Obsidian Soccer Product, Reese James, my guy from Chelsea. Uh, he's one of the best players in Chelsea. His one of one super sick logo patch auto had uh, Hoyman Sons auto on there from Tottenham, and is That's devastating so brutal, man devastating because i wanted to buy the card and i reached out to the guy i was like oh dude i need that i wasn't even like paying that much attention i was like yeah that auto looks kind of weird like that's not reese james's auto but i didn't like really look at it and be like hey let me go figure it out and then he's like dude it's such a cool card but it's not even his auto i'm like oh my gosh that's why i <laughs> thought it didn't look like his auto because it's not his auto so yeah very very tough and also um the the ball goes a little bit further we didn't include it in here but Reese James's auto was on the Harry Kane one of one patch auto, which means that Harry Kane's auto is on the Hoyman Sons one of one patch auto. Was it a sticker? Like, how does that happen? I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know if how they even put the stickers on the cards. So either a machine took the wrong sheet and put it on, or someone. But they were sticker autos. They were sticker autos. It's not like Reese James or you know whatever. (laughs) It's not like they got the wrong cards and then they just signed their name on the. No, 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 it is a sticker. Okay, okay, got it. But still, yeah, crazy, right? wild all right lou how about the national man yeah listen we're excited about the national it's gonna be a good time we have our hot corner you're in our corner right dude we're like 
two rows to the left of you and then right yeah we have a whole little spot over here so we're gonna have fun i think it's in the top left right uh we're gonna have a lot of fun car talks during an event slab stocks has a charity event that i'm sure we will talk about more um Actually, why don't you get into that a little bit? I want to make sure. Yeah, yeah, very brief here. So basically, uh, coming up at the trade night that's put on by Ryan and Jimmy from uh, Ryan from Car Collector 2, Jimmy from Kentucky Roadshow, uh, they're doing their trade night they've done for the past like six nationals. And we're going to have a small segment of uh, our charity event that we've done last year, now this year too. Last year, we raised 141K uh, for Camp Kessim, sending kids to camp for free whose parents have cancer. And we're doing it again this year. We've already got like, I think it's like nearly $35,000 in donations in the first couple of weeks. I'm hopefully bringing a lot more here. So if you're out there, you want to help, if you want to send in slabs, raw cards, sealed boxes, sealed packs, whatever it is, um, PO Box is uh, Slab Stocks Charity. You can title it PO Box 320384, Franklin, Wisconsin 53132. Uh, we have different sponsorship values. You know, if you want to become a sponsor of the event, uh, info at slabstocks.com, send me an email. But other than that, just looking to, you know, raise as much money as possible for the kids and you can buy all the different stuff we got donated which is some really good stuff right now we just got donated 2018 prism first off the line box that's luca and trays you know rookie year five thousand dollar box um among other insane boxes and slabs uh you can buy all of it through whatnot on july 19th at 6 p.m eastern time or on july 21st at 6 p.m eastern time nate and i are both hosting a show each and then we'll have a pwcc weekly auction that will end um, on July 31st, the last day of the national, uh, starting at nine or 10 p.m. Eastern time. So a couple of different ways to buy to buy stuff. Uh, but like I said, if you subscribe to the Daily Slab newsletter, I can guarantee you you'll learn all about this stuff as the month goes on. Uh, best way to learn. Is Absolutely. That. Yeah, you guys do great work for that charity, and you know it's really honorable what you do. So I'm proud of you as a friend. Thanks, um, but anyway, um, national, it's gonna be a great time. We'll be there Wednesday to Sunday the whole time. Um, like I said, the car talk event is Thursday night. We will be doing podcasts uh recaps of the show basically just recapping the vibes ryan tyler and myself every night after the show when the show closes usually as the show closes when we do it um and we're just gonna be hanging out i'm excited to see everybody i'm excited to hang out i think it's gonna be interesting vibes in my opinion because i think you know obviously the state of the world is what it is and i'm excited to see what people are doing i will be there in a most likely a buying and selling you know mindset last year i kind of went in there pretty heavy buy focus this year i'll be a little bit of both so uh, i'm excited about it what are you thinking yeah i'm just pumped i mean we got a ton of supply coming this year last year we definitely were like not like we had stuff there to sell we're doing like a very little bit of buying but like this year we'll be very active on both fronts we've got you know like 200 formula one slabs we got our entire flip quest display that's going to be there it's like over 100 different slabs that we bought this year um through the pwcc weekly auction so that'll be a blast and it's gonna be a really good time. I have we'll be looking to buy a lot of like high quality raw cards. Not, I mean, obviously condition wise, but like low numbered stuff, you know, patch autos, stuff like that. I'm very interested in. Fire. Um, I also wanted to point out real quick, you know, something we see on TikTok a lot is people asking about like shows that are happening around them. Inside the market report, there is up to upcoming card shows um and upcoming card releases. So I hope everyone checks that out as well. Um, and I think that about wraps it up, Aaron. This is the Definitely. first time. I'm pumped. Definitely. I had a good time. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope everyone who listened enjoyed it. Um, next month, we'll be back. We'll try to get Nate in here so I can debate with Nate for 45 minutes. He's one of my favorite humans of all time. That can be like um, a 10-minute segment, debate with Nate. Yeah, I, I love Nate, man. He's one of my favorite people of all time. <laughs> He's a good guy. I like um, him, too. <laughs> I love him. Um, all right, cool. That was it. Thank you, everyone. Please leave a comment below. Let us know what you think of it, what we could do better, what we could do different, what you want to take out, what you want to see more of, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, at Car Talk Pod on Instagram and everywhere else, at Slab Stocks everywhere, at Slab Stocks Aaron. 
Um, thank you for listening. See you next time. Peace. Thank you, everyone. That's a wrap on Card Talk this week. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen and get notified when we publish a new episode. It'd mean the world to us if you gave us a five-star rating and shared this episode with a friend. We'd love to answer your questions, so email us at cardtalkpod at gmail.com and we'll get to it in the next episode. Card Talk is a 1.37 p.m. podcast and a Gallery Media Group original production.